Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, David Beyond. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And we are recording this seconds after the first Nintendo Direct in over a year. And perhaps the greatest disappointment of 2021. <laughs> what a stinker of a Direct this was. I yeah, will say, I... there was a massive highlight, and that's Outer Wilds on Switch. That's yeah. pretty incredible. Although, I, I have to say that game is probably going to run like garbage, but... Anything that puts that in the hands of more people is good by me. See, uh, no, I, I mean, there were there were some bright spots here, but if I were to personally rate this direct for me, it'd be like a 5 out of 10, maybe. Wow, that's really low for you. Yeah, the Fall Guys on Switch, like, if that would have came out maybe, what was it, six months ago? Yeah, six or seven months ago, yeah, that would have been incredible. That's probably why I'd have bought it, yeah. If it's we like just make six some... Months later educated guesses here like they said at the beginning of the presentation obviously covid is affecting them and understandably so right but i think that's why we're seeing like this was the direct of like ports essentially yeah like, most get... most of this presentation were just like okay look at these games look at these older games what, what it some really cases, was, was the direct of jrpgs too i mean good god were there a lot of them yeah there nintendo like JRPGs. fully doubled down on anime and uh yeah i guess they determined that's what the youth's into nowadays I don't know. I mean, I think that those are just cheap ports to make. I, I you know. Yeah, no, like I, I think the port idea is, I think that's directly related to COVID. Obviously, I'm just guessing here, but like I'd imagine their major titles because of COVID, COVID were pushed further down the pipeline. And to make up for that, they got some easy wins in with some ports. And that's largely what we saw here today. We did just get a Smash character, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this new Smash character... So now we have two left, two unknown fighters left. But this new one, uh, Pyra, right? And Mithra? Pyra and Mithra. So I haven't played Xenoblade Chronicles 2, so this pick didn't do anything for me. But I do remember seeing the name Pyra come up often as like a desired character. So I guess that's cool if it makes people happy. Do you I mean, do you guys know about these characters? Uh, yeah, I, I think Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is an okay game. And, like, picking picking Pyra and Mithra is a way better choice than picking Rex. So, like, that's nice, but I don't care, really. Does yeah. Xenoblade 2 stand up to uh, the peak that was Xenoblade 1? I haven't played that. A lot of, from, from the impressions I've seen, most people put Xenoblade 1 over 2. I think... Xenoblade 1 is often regarded as, like, one of the Switch's best titles. Or One of the Wii's I think, best titles. Yeah, sorry, one of the, yeah, Wii's best titles. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X, I think, gets a lot of praise, too. But, again, I don't really know anything about these games. I'd probably like them if I played them. I think a character from X, while I don't, I don't care about that game, I think a character from X would have been way more interesting. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Two, was two a Switch game? I don't yeah, remember. Two was yeah, a Switch the thing... Game. The only thing I remember about 2 is how terrible the voice acting is, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and that showed they, in that that didn't showed you in that say trailer. like they had like weird Scottish accents for some reason. Yeah, yeah. That did, that did you not yeah. hear Rex in that trailer? No, I did, but it was just yeah. It, yeah, was, it was strange. It's atrocious. Like, you know, yeah. I, I honestly really... would prefer them to just keep the Japanese dub in that case. Like it would probably come across as more impressive but maybe that's to me did they change shulk's voice actor as well because he didn't sound the same as he usually did i don't know just in I, that thought clip. I thought he sounded the same as he did in smash at least i don't know about the game but but yeah overall i just gotta say 
bringing Aonuma on and having him stand there Dude, silently that was for the nearly five oh full seconds. Oh, God. Oh, why would they do that? They, they got to know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Too. And, they're... And like, sorry, no Breath of the Wild 2. And then they don't even like it's not delayed or anything, but no, they no, say no. we might have news Connor, this year, no. which means it's not coming this year. Connor, and then they follow it up with, here, don't worry, listen, we ported the worst 3D Zelda. Dude, no, 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 listen, he he deliberately hyped us up, because if you remember, he was like, you're probably wondering if I have news on Breath of the Wild 2. That's how he started it out. Yeah. And then he was They're just monsters. like, yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> it was cruel. It was cruel. Uh, I'm not I'm not buying Skyward Sword on Switch. There's no way. Uh, it has probably my favorite it. single dungeon from any Zelda, any 3D Zelda game. But that game has so many critical flaws that it really unless Grezzo was in charge of this, they're probably not fixed. Like I mean god, uh, so spoiling every puzzle. I and, think I saw that uh it's going to be running at 60 frames, which is cool, I guess. Oh, I might pick it up then. That trailer just looked sped up. Like, I was watching that trailer. It didn't look right. Like, it didn't look like 60 frames per second. It looked like 30 frames per second sped up. I don't know. I mean, obviously, 60 would be, like, the big selling point of this game, especially if you've never played it before. For me, I had Skyward Sword on the Wii, but for whatever reason, I think I just lost interest, but I only played, like, the first four or five hours. I think I did, like, a dungeon and a half or something. Yeah, it has the worst start of any Zelda game by far. The start was very slow, but, you know, like, I think, especially with this drought of Zelda we're experiencing, that will be something to at least tide me over a little longer. I I wouldn't bother. It's my least favorite Zelda by far. If I could wipe one, that would be the that would be my pick. Probably. I mean, just based off what I experienced in terms of 3D Zeldas, I'd probably agree with you. Like if if that announcement at the end had been like Twilight Princess remastered or oh, like love that. or Wind Waker remastered, like I like you, yeah. Even this, though they this, just this did that whole on the Wii. direct, this whole direct would have been yeah brought up for me i think honestly honest to god any other zelda game i would have been more excited if they like remade wand of gamelon like it just sucks because like i i i want you know twilight princess and wind waker but deep down i feel like i'm not going to get it because i think nintendo thinks like hey we just put out remasters of this on wii u like so not going to touch that for a while which just sucks because like obviously so many more people have a switch than they had a wii u Yeah. yeah It's really inaccessible to play uh, Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD because where are you going to find a Wii U? Yeah, no one bought any, so there's none out there to to buy. Yeah, it's still over a hundred dollars to get a Wii yeah, U. Yeah, it's super expensive, and it's just not worth it for two games that you'll play. Yeah, and those really are like the only games left. Yeah, that's the also, only Splatoon two games. Also, Splatoon Three is a weird, like, is they. Sorry, go ahead. Splatoon 2, like, that just feels like a one game per console game to me. And, like... Yeah, Splatoon 2 came out near the beginning of the Switch, right? Yeah. yeah. So that would be three years, four years ago. So I guess that's not a terrible turnaround time for so a sequel. are either of you guys into Splatoon? Because it doesn't do anything for me. No, I tried yeah, Splatoon I, 2, and I just don't get it. It just feels like not good it doesn't feel played it to me like yeah. see a, a lot of the things shown in this direct splatoon 3 included made me think like you know maybe nintendo like the kids tastes and my tastes aren't the same anymore and nintendo's is obviously targeting what the kids want right i, no, I don't, I don't think know that's maybe true just i think this is just them. an underwhelming direct 
It's Bloody. the kids who are wrong. It's the kids. That's exactly what I was getting at. <laughs> I just yeah, well yeah. no, because I can't see a kid honestly sitting here and getting excited about seven JRPGs getting announced. I like, mean, I, I'm sure Splatoon three like Splatoon three. Yeah, no. Okay. I, 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 younger brother who's not that much younger. He's like four years younger than me. He's probably like extremely hyped for Splatoon three. That's I, not what I, I'm talking about. I just mean like I enjoyed. this. The trailer overall. Also like. Can we talk about that really bad um, EA dodgeball game trailer? Oh my god! Went on like forever. That, that looked like if it if someone had just like taken a bunch of like marketing reports and like wrung the liquid out of them and formed <laughs> that liquid into a Let's game. See how that's cringe. what it'd be. What was that? What was the? Oh, that was the DC uh, girls like it, one. It was the most okay, generic. I'm not gonna like, sit here and this make is fun the, of the DC girls one because that's a children's cartoon like licensed game. Like that's low hanging fruit. I'm sure kids are gonna be disappointed by that. But like the EA title looked like it was made by it, marketing robots. Like yeah, EA yeah, 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 all of EA's titles marketing. looked atrocious. And it's that like, one, the Plants vs Zombies, like that was just full of Fortnite assets. And also, okay. I don't know how relevant Plants vs. Zombies is in 2021. I, I, you know, I, I, I feel like yeah, it I, had it say a few years ago. I don't know. I mean, that game didn't even look bad. Like, it looked okay. I, I liked... Know. There was one I liked. I liked the look of Neon White, mainly because first-person oh, yeah. heart battler. Ooh. Yeah, that was a very unique sort of that thing. Looks like, unique. I, it, it was... It kind of looked like Doom Eternal, but with card games, which yeah. is... Um, watching the trailer again it just really stuck stuck out for me for some reason yeah, yeah in terms of like unique gameplay that was i think the most unique thing we saw like i don't think i've ever seen anything quite like that before which is always refreshing yeah, yeah that's another annapurna game i i've liked their output recently they're the ones what who else? published uh outer wilds. outer wilds right oh yeah okay that's why i recognize the name it it looks cool like I get it's a card battler, but man, can card battlers be it all, fun? But it also has an anime aesthetic, just to tie it back to what we were saying earlier. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, yeah, kids like anime. Yeah. Anime's bigger now than it's ever been. Yes. I'm not gonna deny that, that but true. I don't think JRPGs are. Can we can we talk about how Zynga, the company that's most known for releasing Farmville, is developing a Star Wars game? Is that what that was? I mean, that's a mobile that, game, right? Like. I, no, it's on the Switch. Apparently. No, they yeah, said it'd be well, like yeah, I know it's on person. Switch, but it's a mobile game. Like it's a multiplayer game. Is it just gonna be like some weird child between Mafia Wars and I just Farmville? They didn't show anything. They just announced, and and that's another thing about this direct that really stuck out to me. Almost everything was twenty. Everything of consequence was twenty twenty two, which is yeah. really. I mean, I get it, right? But I, it's I still think Japan. Sucks. I mean, Japan actually shut down for COVID. You know, so stuff over there is way behind you know? I, I hear you connor but think back to sony's announcement prior to the ps5 they announced demon souls and ratchet and clank and all these things so it's just well blue com- point blue point and ratchet and clank aren't they they're not japanese insomnia oh you're right yeah yeah insomniac well yeah that's true their yeah, company is saying yeah. You know, anything made in America is fine because we have a totally irresponsible system here that didn't shut down for our pandemic. So stuff still got made and we just sacrificed 200,000 people's lives for it. Right. But, you know, like I know like Sony devs in particular, first party studios did transition to working from home. OK, but obviously every team's different. I don't know if Nintendo had more difficulty with that. 
Japan was their infrastructure was totally incompatible with working from home. I read about it a little bit. A, a lot of people didn't even have home internet. I'm like, most of them don't have computers at home and stuff. Yeah, and, and so like, I mean, obviously, it's understandable, right? Things getting pushed out because of COVID. That doesn't make it any less disappointing. It yeah, it doesn't sting any less. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it sucks because like, if this is what they were gonna give us for the first direct since mm. September 2019, I would yeah, rather. I than mean, just I, I'll wait. be honest. I sat like I sat around all day today excited for this, and then like. I, Honestly, um, I would just have them wait until they had like an insane showcase and then just yeah. show us then. Like I don't know why they had to make it back to that Star Wars game because I've sure. been doing research and Zynga's bought Natural Motion. And the last game Natural Motion released was in 2016 for iOS and Android. In fact, every game that that development studio has released has been either like an arcade title for the Xbox 360 or an Android game. Yeah, that doesn't really bode that, too well. I don't, it's a bad game. It gets going to be a bad game. game. I'm really certain with 99% accuracy that it's going to be an absolute disaster. This was a bad direct. I, I, yeah. I just want to bring it back really quick to the very beginning when they show the new Smash character, uh, Pyra. Right? I really did not think that was a Smash trailer. I thought that was no, a deal, okay. more was DLC just, for Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I was literally I was like, just oh, about to say, dude... I I think I've just caught on to Sakurai because like literally 0.5 seconds into that trailer I was like this is Smash. I just knew it. I had no idea. <laughs> I was sitting here like, oh, I I was texting my buddy Tyler who was a little bit late to uh, uh from getting home from work to watch it and I was like, oh, you haven't missed anything of consequence. It's just Xenoblade stuff. And then I saw the no- the letter and I was like, oh no, what have I done? Oh no. Yeah, like as soon as it started, I had a hunch it was Smash, and then when he was asking, oh, where is Pyra, I was like, okay, this is definitely Smash, because she's in Smash, that's why you can't find her. Like, I, yeah, I yeah, called Yeah, you really got Sakurai's number. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I just think that's kind of funny, you know, because, like, near the beginning, like, when he was showing these DLC characters, revealing these DLC characters, it was, like, masterful. Like, no one could predict. Smash could come out of nowhere, but I feel like lately, for the last few at least, it's been pretty obvious. Yeah. I, I guess for you, not for me, not at all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the other, I think, highlight of this direct that I think um, most people will probably be interested in are, is, is Mario Golf, right? Yeah, that looked weirdly good, actually. So Mario Golf has always been quite good from my understanding, but yeah, but I, I, I don't know. Like, I think... Yeah. I think you can clearly see the impact of golf-based RPG games like Golf yeah. Story. In well, this, actually, this game Gol- has like a- Mario Golf did that first. Mario Golf on uh, Game Boy was a. Uh, oh yeah, okay. I, I don't remember if it was Game Boy or Game Boy Advance, but yeah. So yeah, the story mode with like RPG elements and like just just for me at least bringing back like the the Wii Golf and like Wii Sports. Yeah. Like, using I- your motion controls to put put the golf. Ball, it would have been like, a huge missed opportunity not to do that because yeah, that, that, that was pretty fun. That's a it, huge draw to me. Like I used to play Wii Sports often with friends and family, and we played golf all the time. And and to have that sort of live on in this game is really sweet. And like they they did yeah. mention like obviously there's multiplayer there and stuff. So like I feel like I'm going to be playing this game quite a bit. It's kind of funny because I hate like I I've gone golfing before and I hate it. I think it's the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> but that this but game golf looks fun games though. are fun. Like. Yeah. 
it just looks so way. goofy the speed golf mode yeah <laughs> Ugh, it does look I, I do love me a goofy golf game not gonna lie but yeah goofy mario sports are just good fun like i, don't, I, don't, yeah, I would never just, buy a fifa game but mario strikers pretty cool yeah yeah, I don't it, buy any of the EA Sports titles, but for some reason, when Mario puts out like Mario Tennis or Mario Golf, well, yeah, because like, the Mario Golf games have vision. <laughs> it's just I don't know. They're they're so much fun. Like even I remembered sinking countless hours into Mario Tennis on Nintendo sixty four, and I still need to get the new one on Switch. I hear it's considerably worse than oh, okay. Then maybe or no, actually, I don't think the Switch one is that bad now that it got a bunch of content updates. It was the Wii U one that was terrible. There was a Wii U Mario Tennis? I didn't even know yeah, it was. it was like called Super oh. Strikers or something. Strikers is soccer. No, right? it was called... Oh, I forget what it was called, but it was it was really bad. I just think it's 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 fascinating to me that Nintendo makes all these Mario sports titles. Like, it's just... It's just like, it's that's their counter yeah. to, like, the FIFAs and the And they're Maddens. way better. <laughs> well, I don't know. To us, they're way better, but, like... Well, they're the different other, every time, at least. Yeah, the others... The others are the same game every year with a few tweaks and also just are in the top five selling games of each year. So I, you know, yeah. I can't be sure like <laughs> on leaks anymore because they've always like recently they've just been wrong about like Smash characters and whatever's going to come out in the Nintendo directs. Have the Smash leaks? I don't think the Smash leaks have ever been accurate, have they? It's just oh, people playing yeah, it's people guessing. Close. Yeah. I mean, people guessed Banjo before Banjo was revealed. People have been guessing know. Banjo since Speaking Brawl of leaks, though, uh, CD Projekt Red Hack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I maybe to talk about this, and I'm pivoting. <laughs> should we pivot? There, there's a couple things I wanted to touch on. If you want to touch on some more stuff for the Direct, I think we should get that out of the way. I'm yeah, pretty much out of stuff. Out of I'm ready way. to talk about CDPR, I think. I Okay, I just wanted to mention one game that kind of stood out to me. It was, it was that Project... You know what oh, I mean? Oh, the, the terrible Project Traveler Strategy term. Triangle Clone sequel. Yeah. Yeah, Project Strategy Triangle, which is like the worst name ever, even if yeah. it's just a code name. I'm sorry, that's just terrible. Well, Octopath Traveler was a code name too, so. Yeah, and that ended up being the real name for the game. So I hope this yeah. game isn't Strategy Triangle when it comes out. But you know, terrible name aside, the gameplay did seem kind of interesting to me. It's a strategy RPG with that gorgeous Octopath like 2D art style. Yeah, and the it's art got style like, is all that game brings to the table to me. Yeah, that strategy RPG gameplay is something I'm pretty interested in, and it had like it seemed like it had like consequential narrative decisions that shaped the story too. So I I have my eye on that one. I will not be fooled by consequential narrative decisions. I've been fed that line since like <laughs> twenty two thousand seven or something, and it's never been true. So. Well, I mean, if it's yeah. like Fire Emblem at all, like in Fire Emblem, like if your if your party members die, they stay dead. Like, and the story just sort of like adapts around that. So yeah, but that's not a decision. That's a failing. That's a failure on your part. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I don't know. That, I mean, that's easy. That's an easy. Like the story's the same overall. You just slightly different based on which characters are alive. Yeah, true. The story's the same overall, but it's just nice seeing like it gives you a little more agency at least in how the story develops, even if the endpoint's the same. Yeah. But yeah, aside from that, like like we said before, like this this did not have to be a direct. It could have been like a mini or maybe a series of tweets or something else. Yeah, a series of tweets would have been fine for this. The, yeah, I mean the only yeah Mario Mario Golf. And yeah, everybody needs to go buy Outer Wilds on their Switch. I might buy it again. 
I love yeah, it. Yeah, like, so I, I think you were right earlier when you said, I don't think it's going to run well at all on Switch. I can't imagine it will. I've tried to run it on some low-end hardware before. I mean, granted, it's going to be way better optimized on Switch. Yeah. But, um, there, there are a couple of things in that game that I feel like are going to be removed. Like, just wholesale removed on Switch. Like, on, uh, on consoles, you can, like, rest at a campfire to make uh, time move a little faster. Mm-hmm. But it literally simulates the game faster. You know, when you're doing that, it just stops rendering and focuses totally on the simulation. And mm-hmm. I feel like on Switch, you're just not going to be able to do that because I imagine it's going to be running at <laughs> full speed, you know, as fast as it can all the time. Yeah. The simulation in that game is pretty complicated. Yeah. All the orbits are quote unquote real in that game. So. But yeah, aside from a select few titles, this Direct really had nothing for me. And even the titles I was interested in is just like a cursory interest, nothing I'm like actually hyped for. So Yeah, I mean, Monster Hunter Rise, but we already know about that. No More Heroes 3, we already know about that. Uh, glaringly deafening in their silence, I feel like, are Bayonetta 3 and Metroid Prime 4. Yeah, who knows when those games are coming out? Like, we I, I have no prediction. Uh, a director point. to, you know... Say that they're working on it. Rub well, salt in the wound. Well, I mean, like, Breath of the Wild... I mean, I kind of get it, right? Like, normally they wouldn't have done that, but Breath of the Wild 2 is an exception. That's probably one of the most anticipated games of all time at this point, so... Yeah. Um, <sighs> it's pain sometimes being a Nintendo fan. It's agonizing, yeah. I was hoping but, they were going to talk about... Um, They did some restructuring to Nintendo Online recently, I think. They finally took it off Windows 98 or something. <laughs> That, like, that checks out. That's not me being sarcastic. Like, it literally was running on, like, 20-year-old hardware or something. Oh, actually, you know what's more sus about that Star Wars game as I'm looking into it? It comes out this year with no gameplay in a trailer. And it's, like, the only one yeah, that's, that's coming that's... out this year in the entire direct. If, <laughs> if your game is coming out this year and you get a 30-second teaser, that's a with red no flag. Gameplay. no yeah, gameplay. Yeah, why did they even show it? That's... Like, I'm I'm just gonna say don't get hyped for it. It's gonna be a disaster. Usually yeah. they'd have at least some gameplay at this point, but they're describing it as a squad-based free-to-play arena combat game. Oh boy, we didn't oh have enough of those. Boy, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the only thing I'm like hundred percent going to get from this direct is Skyward Sword, but like even that, I'm not like jazzed over. I'll probably get Monster Hunter Rise, but I already knew that. That's not news. All right. Uh, Mike, you want to pivot? All right. So CDPR got hacked last week. Was that only last week? I yeah, think that that was like seems like week. it was longer ago. And uh, now the Witcher source code is out in the wild. Someone uh, has it. The first one? The third one. Which is three source code and cyberpunk so, source code out in the wild right now. If yeah, I, I saw, remember. So they released the cyberpunk source code, and I saw a bunch of morons on the internet saying, like, oh, finally, the fans can fix this broken game. And I'm like, no, man, that's... like, that's true sometimes when, like, there's some weird design decision that ruins the game. But The Witcher, or not The Witcher 3, cyberpunk is broken on a technical level, and, like, nobody's going to fix that for free. Like, that's a really yeah. hard fix. They're not, like, being lazy. They just can't do it yet. <laughs> It's um, a lot so, of people were like uh, they deserved it, but no one deserves their entire source code and work to be just sold to the internet. So just 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 to give a quick recap, so we're all up to speed. 
some malicious actor hacked into CDPR's servers or whatever and stole the source code for, I think, The Witcher 3, Gwent, and and you're saying Cyberpunk as well? I didn't know about Cyberpunk. Yeah, they took Cyberpunk as well. Okay. And I I believe, so they left like a ransom note, and uh, I, I mean, obviously, CDPR put out a statement rebuking that and saying they weren't going to comply. But I believe they sold The Witcher source code like on the black market to someone. Is that true? Did you hear about that? Uh, they de- they sold it. They were auctioning it off, and I believe they sold it maybe for seven million. At least Cyberpunk source code. So someone somewhere out there might be CDPR has Cyberpunk source code, and they paid okay. seven million for it. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure about Cyberpunk, but I, I heard that they did that with the, the Witcher. Yeah, that's that's actually the most risky part. They have like employee data, like addresses yeah, and stuff, which is really kind of nasty. Yeah, that's not cool. Um. But they, I believe they sold uh, Witcher, right? And you're saying they sold Cyberpunk as well. They, but they, they sold a whole group. I think they posted Gwent's source code like online, just like, you know, they, had they didn't a sell it. Ray Trace version of Witcher as well in that source code hack. So yeah, all around that, it, it just kind of sucks for CDPR. Like, it's not I mean, good. I don't think, like, I don't think this actor who hacked him this malicious actor did it because they were mad about cyberpunk like i hope that's not the reason right no, i think this was a this was an attack they wanted money or yeah, something this, they wanted this, money this is yeah this seems like a calculated attack by like a no, i mean hack. i think so, so this is actually a bad take that i see a lot is like and and it's something i've been guilty of before is like this view of hackers as a bunch of losers sitting in their mom's basements or whatever and that is extremely reductive because, like, cybersecurity is a, you know, multi-billion dollar industry. And, no, like, no. Yeah, no, I like, agree. But sometimes hackers have that stigma, especially because of how they act. Like, did you read that ransom note they left? Well, it yeah, just, they, they act this way on purpose because they want people to think they're not a real threat. Like, they want they want to be a meme because people don't hunt down a meme, you know? Yeah. Like, they don't want the, the public to turn on them. They want the public to think they're losers. You know, like it's their job is easier that way. They don't. They also, I think for cyberpunk, they wanted to appear as a meme. That way, the already angry community could rally behind them for some reason. Like, I get you're angry that the game was a disaster on launch, but that doesn't mean you should be celebrating a massive cyber attack against the development studio. Yeah, that's not going to make your game better. It's not going to make in <laughs> fact it's going to delay everything as they're now devoting resources to investigating what happened. Right. And and uh cybersecurity as as someone, you know, on the edge of that industry, it's not pretty. It's not fun. It's not well, it is fun sometimes. You get you get to do some fun stuff, but it's not easy. It's not like Oh, we it's not like you do the exact same thing now, but it's secure now. Like you have to change protocol, you know. Everybody's whole... changing their passwords, everybody's, you know, having to deal with new security measures. It's not it's not a fun thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. anytime a hack happens, you now have to go through your entire infrastructure and say, What what went wrong? We gotta patch that hole. It's an arms race, basically. And a lot of people don't realize that about cybersecurity. Yeah, I I feel bad for CDPR. Obviously, you know, they were already sort of on fire from like 
Cyberpunk 2077 and dealing with the hatred and just fixes and like management versus the devs at CDPR and now they have to deal with this. So I, yeah. and, like, their addresses are out there now, right? Like all these people that were getting death threats now, yeah. those threats are suddenly kind of credible, you know? No, yeah, like <clears throat> I don't think or I don't know if they've posted them online or sold them or what, but like they were compromised for sure. Yeah, it's I, you know I I wouldn't be wanting to pack up my bags and move my family because of a I'm, video game like yeah. I'm getting real tired of seeing cyberpunk in news articles and it's not patch notes like I'm sick yeah. of it I, I'm yeah. sick of it I it's want almost everything but I'm patch tired notes tired of cyberpunk just I own the game I play the game I do not want to see it in the news anymore it's been two that. months. <laughs> Uh, the next time I want to see it in the news is when it finally goes under $20 so I can buy it. <laughs> yeah, I I have faith that CDPR will fix the game. Me too. But it's a rough road. It's not a bad... It's playable right now. I've been playing through it. No, nah, I mean, it looks fun. Kind of and like I, I watched some gameplay. Awful. It looks fun enough that I want to buy it. I just don't want to... I mean, I'm on a 1070 right now. I certainly would rather wait until my 3080 gets here, which is... I mean, a 1070 runs it... I think I can run it on ultra at 30, high at 45, and medium at 60-ish. That's not too bad. But I, I would rather play at RTX on and DLSS yeah. and, you know, really just sit back and be blown away by my car that explodes off of the road for no reason. Yeah, I've seen some bugs, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm not even, like, invested enough in the game to care when I run into the bugs, you know? it'll. What else happened in the last... Three, two, three weeks. Yeah, it's been a while since we recorded. Uh, it has about, been a while. I mean, I, I have some games I want to talk about. I finally played something other than uh, Minecraft, which is nice. I have a lot of games I want to talk about. Actually, yeah, I, I, I agree with both of you. Like, I have a couple games I want to talk about in depth. So maybe we could just switch to that. Dibs on first. Okay. Uh, I have not played, or I've already beaten Super Mario uh, 3D World. I, I beat that on Wii U. Fun game. Yeah. Bowser's Fury is amazing i mean i'm excited I, i'm excited to play this so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spoil too well i mean it's a mario game there's not too much to spoil yeah i'm sensitive to spoilers but i sat down and i was like bored on saturday i think and i was like you know what donkey said he liked it i'll pick up uh bowser's fury because i know my friends are gonna try to get me to play 3d world with them um i did not put my controller down for the next five and a half hours uh as i hundred percented it <laughs> That's awesome. In a single setting, which I think a lot of people are going to hunt for. Like, I mean, obviously, it's it's a game that's very open to casual play and stuff, but I think a lot of core gamers are going to sit down and not be able to put this game down until they finish it. Like, Yeah, that's the sort of sentiment I've been hearing about this game, and that makes me really excited. And maybe you can talk a little more to this, but, like, it seems like it's a maybe some uh, it has, like, some experimental elements for where Nintendo is thinking they'll take Mario in the future. Yeah, I think it does. I think a lot of people are getting the wrong message from this, which is that um, Mario is going to have like an odyssey, except like you can get to all the kingdoms from one place. And I don't think that's the case. I think they're going to do an odyssey where every kingdom is uh, is styled like Bowser's Fury's entire world is, because Bowser's Fury's world is incredible and big and you can explore it. But if it was any bigger than it is, it would be edging on too big, I think, for you to reasonably walk between the levels. And they are, like, 
Like you walk through these arches and like a level title comes up, the music changes, and you very clearly stepped into a Mario level at this point. And like you play through these obstacles and they feel discrete from the rest of the game, except it's totally immersive because like you can see the whole game happening around you. Like yeah. still, like it's all still there. And if you fall off, you don't die. You have to start over because you you've fallen off the level and you have to go back to the beginning. Um and like uh, the whole Bowser's Fury aspect, Bowser, I think it's like every six and a half minutes or something, Bowser gets mad and starts attacking. My my only design beef in the entire game, I think, is that there are a few cat shines that you can only get when Bowser's mad at you. And uh, towards the end of the game, there was a little bit of me like, oh, it's it's been a while since he attacked. I better go towards one of those. And like mm -hmm. they're they're extremely obvious and easy to get. And there's sort I imagine of there like. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say, imagine fighting Bowser can get kind of old, too. Uh, you only have to fight him uh, three times in the entire game. Oh, okay. If you, yeah, you don't have to fight him. You you get him to go away by collecting a cat shine. That calms him down. Oh, okay. At, at certain intervals of cat shines, you get big and you get to fight him. I will say that never got old. That was super fun every single time. <laughs> uh, and you actually get a decent reward, in my opinion, for 100%ing it. You get a more difficult version of the final boss. Oh, that's cool. interesting. Yeah, it's not like like the graphics are all the same and stuff. It's literally just harder. But that was that was fine by me. Like I I played a lot of the game and I was very interested in a harder boss fight. So can you explain why everything's a cat in this game? That's just a 3D world thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like that's even just, the trees are like cat shaped, which is yeah kind of. I mean, it, it takes place in a uh, a place called Lake Lapcat. That's where it. Uh, <laughs> That's the name of the world, and everything is cat-themed there. All the enemies. Mario, I, I spent most of the game in the cat suit. Uh, the Tanuki suit's there as well, though, and I, I used it a fair share. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's a good game. I think... I, I hate... I kind of hate that the only way to get it is by buying 3D World, because as a standalone $15 or $20 experience, yeah, I, it would be a no-brainer. I would recommend this to everyone I know. As a full $60 game, if you've already played 3D World, it's a hard sell because it is short, mm -hmm. you know? You know, it's crazy because, like, I remember when they first announced the 3D World remake or remaster, rather, for the Switch, they announced Super Mario 3D World slash Bowser's Fury. And we saw a couple snippets from Bowser's Fury, but they never really made it clear what Bowser's Fury was exactly. Like, we weren't even sure if that was a separate game. No, yeah, at, it was totally confusing. I just expected it to be a level pack for 3D World, which I yeah. would have been extremely happy to have. 3D World's super fun. Like, but, like, but yeah, what it is, to my just... surprise is it's it's a, it's a separate game. Granted, it's short, but it's it's a separate game with experimental elements, which is really cool. Somebody pitched something to me the other day, and um, I I am almost certain it won't happen. But if they did a remake of Sunshine as in the uh, style of Bowser's Fury, yeah, I mean it, it's a hard sell because you can already like like the world of Sunshine already makes sense geographically. Like all the levels are there; they wouldn't have to add that much. But like, that would be incredible. That would like remove. That, that's it. a cool idea, but it yeah, will not happen. Nintendo never remakes Mario games. No. Yeah, that is not true. Actually, they remade Super Mario sixty four. So and Super Mario Bros three. And yeah, wait, did, when did they remake sixty? Oh, you mean for DS? Yeah, that's a remake for sure. It adds way too much to be considered a remaster. Okay. Wait, they remade Yoshi's Island too. I forgot about that. Yeah. 
Wait, they remade it? I thought they just ported it to Game Boy Advance. I think it was like a partial a port with a little bit of a remaster or a remake. Because they, they full on remade Super Mario Bros. 3 with terrible visuals and music. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but I, you, you know what I mean. I don't think they're going to be remaking a 3D I, I Mario. I don't think that's going to happen. Ever again. I just think it would be incredible. And like that idea is a good pitch for what the next Mario game could look like. Because obviously, yeah. like. As good as Bowser's Fury is, it would have been better with uh, Odyssey movement. <laughs> yeah, the, so I, I, I actually purchased Super Mario 3 World Bowser's Fury as well, and I haven't touched Bowser's Fury yet. I'm looking forward to that. I have played like a few hours of Mario 3 World, and it's fun. I like it. It's just, you know, like I told you, Connor, it's not blowing me away. Yeah, The movement, my- I would prefer, I definitely prefer Odyssey's movement. Right, the movement it's not bad. feels a little like it's not bad. Obviously, movement in Mario it's games is always yeah. king. You know, like Mario is really good at movement, but like yeah. it's a little floaty for my tastes. You know, like I I would prefer the the more fine grained control that Odyssey gives you. It, it's kind of interesting, but, right? Because Odyssey is this it Odyssey is an open like level exploration Mario game that splits off every once in a while to do some. Uh, straightforward platforming challenges. Bowser's yeah. Fury is straightforward platform challenges that occasionally splits off to be exploratory, if that makes sense. But mm-hmm. it's all totally cohesive. Like, it never literally takes control away from you or splits off. It just, like, every once in a while, like, usually the world is a way to get in between levels. Every once in a while, the world is something you're actually exploring. And I I think that is the sell for me. Like, 3D World is an amazing game. The only thing that really bothered me playing it is that it didn't really have the sense of immersion that a game like Galaxy had. Yeah. And this 3D is, or even Odyssey, I would argue. Well, yeah, Odyssey. I I was I said Galaxy because Galaxy is more of a level clear Mario, like 3D World is. Yeah. And uh, this fixes it. Like this controls exactly like 3D World, and it's still a level clear Mario at its core, really. But it's so immersive, and that's that's a hard word to use because it's not like I feel like this world is real. But I just it's it's a place like the whole place makes sense. It's a it's all there. You can see it all the time. It's yeah, just a really, it's a I, really smart, really good game. It, and I it, I think the thing that excites me most about this game is just what it it might be pointing to. You know, like I I think that Nintendo. I think this clearly, this game clearly gives you indications of what the next big Mario game is going. So I think maybe, uh, and I, I, I do I think, wonder, you know, like yeah, I'm not going to. So that's that's people keep saying that, right? Like people are like, hey, you know, this is what Mario games are going to look like in the future, and if that's or true, that'll be the awesome. Next one, rather. Yeah. 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 Just the next one. But even if even if that is not true, even if this is just an experiment and it's a one-off thing that they never touch again, I still love it. Like, even if they never touch this formula again, they got it right the first time, you know? I, yeah, like, I, I love to look at this and see what could be, but what's already there is so good that I think it, I think you lose some of that by, like, assuming that there's going to be more of it. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, yeah, it'll be amazing if they do more of it, but even if they don't. Bowser's Fury. It, it stands on its own. Not leading to something. Yeah. Yeah. I like it a lot. I mean, it's it's um, and where I I honestly kind of like that it's so short because I 
I've been inclined to replay it. I 100%ed it in a single day, and it hasn't even been a week since then, and I've already like been kind of itching to play it again. Shines are there to collect? Yeah. Huh? Uh, how many are there to collect? There are, uh, you know, everybody cover your ears if this is a spoiler for you, but there are 100 oh cat shines. Okay. Uh, about God, a lot of them are locked behind Bowser's rage mode stuff. Probably 10 or 15. Yeah, and I, you know, that's another interesting thing. The rage mode that's like on a timer and then like when it activates, it modifies the world and like makes you able things that you weren't previously able to do i'd yeah. like for nintendo to bring that mechanic forward that'd be interesting that would In, be interesting uh, the only thing that's the really annoying nintendo will yeah Go so ahead. there there are two things about that mechanic that annoys me one is if i've just finished a level and i'm about to grab a cat shine but suddenly bowser attacks and i'm like oh well should i just walk away and go get one of the other cat shines that i can only get when bowser's attacking and then, like, come back and do this one that I can do anytime. That kind of sucks. That decision that you kind of have to make in the moment. For the most part, I ignored that, like, opportunity and would just continue playing. But, like, let the gameplay get more intense when Bowser attacks, which is clearly what they're going for. I was yeah. kind of overthinking it. The other thing is there is an amiibo that makes you force Bowser to attack whenever you want. If you use the Bowser amiibo, Bowser attacks. And that's okay. terrible. That's the worst. Like, the fact yeah. that that's not available in the game normally really sucks. That's just them wasting your time. I will say, though, the last shine I got was not a Bowser attack shine. There were enough shines in the game that uh, the second to last one I got was a Bowser attack. The last one was not. So they, like, perfectly timed that for me. But the odds of that being true for everybody are slim, I feel like. Yeah, I, I, obviously that'll differ for everyone. But I think the important question to ask is... For the next big 3D Mario, what is the collecti collectible item going to be? Because we've had stars, we've had shines, and we've had moons. That pretty much covers what they're going for, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it matters. I think they'll <laughs> just do whatever they want. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. I I like the cat shines. I, I think there's a weird amount of uh, sunshine reference in this game. Also. Well, obviously, you know, shines... Yeah, but also you've got... Uh, I didn't even mention this. Baby Bowser is hanging out with you the entire game. Uh, or Bowser Jr. And that's, like, neither here nor there. He's just kind of chill. His AI's really good. Like I, And uh, the, the second of, player can control him, right? Yeah, and at the beginning of the game, you have an option, like... And I guess anytime you want, you have an option to set how helpful he was. And I just left him on the default, and he never really got in my way. But I also never felt like he made the game too easy. It was just kind of like having a little buddy with you the whole time. He yeah. was fine. Plessy plays a major role in this, too. Plessy is how you get around. And I never liked Plessy in 3D World. I love him now. Like, he, he was he controls so well in Bowser's Fury, and he's always there when you want him. And uh, Dunkey mentioned that like it was a big deal. I don't really know. It felt like a pretty simple trick. Plessy just kind of pops up anytime you're near water. Yeah. Like, you never have to look for him or anything. He's just always kind of there. Like, if you fall off a stage, Plessy's probably going to pop up pretty close to you. I, I will also say the humor in this game is incredible. The uh, I actually, like, I, I don't bust out laughing from video game humor very often, but I did at the ending of this game. I thought it was so funny, I lost it. You know, I think Mario games are usually pretty good about humor. It was just so jolly and, like, just so funny. I, I laughed very hard. Yeah. 
I won't I won't spoil what it is, but I think everybody's gonna like it. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out. The other than the advanced boss fight, the rewards you get for 100% completion are pretty underwhelming. But I think that the harder boss fight is a fair reward given the amount of time it took, and like I, it it was a super completionable game. Yeah. What else have you been playing? Minecraft and Hitman Three. Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah. So Hitman Three. So maybe we can we can tackle this one together. So yeah. last episode, which was like two or three weeks ago at this point, I talked about Hitman One and Two, which you know this is my first foray into the Hitman franchise, right? And uh, I played both Hitman One and Two through Hitman Three, which is neat, right? Because they get all the graphical and gameplay updates uh, that Hitman Three provides. But now, over the last, you know, two or three weeks, I finally sat down and played Hitman 3 proper. And uh, I think it's a very strong finish to the franchise. I don't yeah, think... Yeah, you, you and I disagree a lot about Hitman 3. Uh, I, I, I don't think we do, do we? Well, I think you call... Well, you just calling it a strong finish to the franchise, I kind of disagree with. I mean, the I, last level isn't very good. but The last level that. is terrible, but I'm not even talking about that. I just think overall it's the weakest of the trilogy... But it does have the best level of the trilogy, which is confusing. So I I, I want to go through each of the levels. So map. Uh, so there's five levels. Spoiler warning three. then for for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it starts out in Dubai, right? Top yeah. of the world, I think, is what the levels. Yeah, in. it is. Yeah. And it's it's a neat introduction to the game, right? Like I think this level was a little limited in that it had to be the introductory level to Hitman Three. Yeah, I don't really agree with that though because everyone who played hitman 3 everybody who played any of the hitman games got access to that tutorial level like that's true yeah the the so i they, they tutorialized dubai way too much for me i think and also like you look at the other first levels you've got they, um they tutorialized uh hawks bay and hitman 2 though they did the same thing for some I, reason yeah i don't even count hawks bay as a level that's just a tutorial. I thought Hawks Bay was also given to everybody. It wasn't. Regardless. I don't think Hawks, Hawks Bay was definitely a free level for Hitman Two because I played that before I bought the game. I'm pretty okay. Sure. So, yeah, I don't even count Hawks Bay. But like you look, so the first levels in my mind are Sapienza in Miami. That's that's what I'm comparing Dubai to, or not Sapienza, no, Miami, um, Paris and Miami. Paris, yeah. And those yeah. two both are way better than Dubai in pretty much every way. So. Uh, yeah, Miami is map two out of five of Hitman. Sappy or uh, Paris, I'll give you because that's the first map, right? But like, yeah, what's what's map what's map one? Is it Hawks Bay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just say Paris then. Paris is better than Dubai. Yeah. Like I mean, Paris season. Paris is such a hard bar uh, to top. Yeah, right. It's, Paris it's is one of the best levels of all time. In and they also game, had to they had to sell Hitman one being episodic with Paris. You know, they yeah. had to start extremely strong because they had not convinced you to buy the game yet. Yeah, the the one two punch of Paris and Sapienza is, are like two of the best levels I've ever played in the game. I just That's, feel like I feel like the tutorialization of Dubai is not the problem though. Dubai has like three routes that i've been able to find so far and maybe i'm not good at it because i I have been worse at hitman lately than i used to be but like i feel like there's only a few ways to get to the targets and yeah so i I haven't really replayed dubai too much so i 
have yet to explore more of it. But from what I played, my initial playthrough, yeah, it did seem a little limited. It seemed like there was a lot, like it, there was a lot of verticality to it, which was cool, and a lot of vertical shortcuts you could unlock. Right. But like, I haven't really found a reason to use those yet. And I, you know, I, I, I say yet because just knowing the developers for Hitman, I'm sure there's some hidden juiciness in that level. I just haven't. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, you, have you, it. have you looked at the challenges at all? Like. Because that, that's where the real juice of Hitman comes out is when you... And I, I still haven't... Like, I'm saying that Dubai is a bad level. As in, it's a bad Hitman level. It's still incredible. Like, yeah, from a, it, the only game... Other the games, only level yeah. in any of these games I'm ready to call bad is the final level of Hitman 3. Yeah, and, and we'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah, Dubai was an okay opener, I think. But like, like, it didn't blow me away. I think Sniper Assassin is, uh, that's a challenge that you do where you have to kill with a sniper right. rifle, if that's not obvious. I haven't done any of the challenges yet, by the way. I, I think Sniper Assassin on Dubai will be extremely fun. I haven't done it yet, but I, I have to imagine that finding a place where you can stealthily get out a sniper rifle and <laughs> shoot someone in a in a skyscraper, like in... Right. Because, like, the classic sniper position is a tall building near where you are, but you're in the tallest building, so, like, where do you go? I haven't right. solved that puzzle yet, but I'm I'm interested in doing it. So, even even though I don't love it, I think it's extremely cool. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's impressive, certainly, but just by Hitman's already very high standards, it didn't shock and, you know, amaze yeah. me. Now, we come to level two, which is England, Death in the Family. I yeah, loved yeah. this level. Dartmoor, yeah. Yeah, so, this level was... This level, I think, is unique in that the first playthrough is going to be the most fun for exactly, most people. Yeah. Of this which, one. Yeah. Which, which is a very new thing, very experimental thing for Hitman, because Hitman's all about the replayability. But right. for this particular level, the team went all in on your first-time experience with it. Right, I haven't replayed this level at all. Um, largely because I think it's going to be kind of annoying, too, because I think you still have to gather the hints every time. But it's a uh, it's got a murder mystery thing going on. Yeah. So have have either of you seen the movie Knives Out? No, I want to. So yeah, the, this 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 level is essentially just Knives Out, really? which is uh well, I mean, the major story beats are different, but like the overarching premise, okay, murder in a mansion, private investigator comes to investigate and covers like conspiracies, like amongst the family history and stuff like that. But uh, Knives Out is a very, very good movie. Everyone should watch it. But um, this, yeah, th this level, like, and, and, and again, you know, like, the main gimmick is, like, you dress up as the investigator and you solve the murder or whatever. But in, in you know, in Hitman fashion, you don't have to do that, right? Like, there's different ways to complete your objective. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to go through that every time you could you don't even have to know who the killer is necessarily like you, you find uh opportunities to frame people and stuff yeah. halfway through and like cool <laughs> yeah it was it was a very fun twist on hitman gameplay and i totally didn't see something like this coming and it was very very fresh uh, and refreshing for this franchise to do yeah so i i came out of level two like riding really high i thought that was incredible yeah. And then we get level three, which is probably it's, the best level in any Hitman game. Yeah, far and wide. It's so. so it's I, I actually thought it opened really weak. I I didn't know where to go at first. I was wandering around that gas station yeah. for longer than I'm proud of. But the moment I figured out what was actually going on in this level, I like 
when like, the title came up when the title came up i just smiled i was like oh my god this oh, is actually I, I leaned forward and lifted my controller i got my gamer lean going <laughs> and like like it was go time so, i loved that level so much so and this it was, level it was take, one yeah Go ahead, it, it was one of the ones where like like a lot of levels I, I restart more than I'd like to like I you know I'll mess something up and have to restart it but this one I was like wholly immersed I was like no like this is agent 47's it's called apex predator and it's in yeah. Berlin I believe yes Berlin and uh oh my god it's like you're, you're walking around and there's I believe five agents uh, yes. that you have that are there to kill you and you have to kill so, them first. It, in total, there's ten agents, right? But oh. you only have to kill five of them. Okay, it's incredible. I wonder if you can kill all ten. Uh, I don't think so, because I think like they retreat after you kill five. But, but yeah. like I just love that the, you, you don't really know what's going on until like you know like it's revealed that the ICA is hunting you, and that first agent comes up, right? And then you are sneaking behind him, and then a mission title comes up, Apex Predator, right? And you finally understand what this mission is going to be and just yeah. from there on it's just a master class yeah i mean there, uh, so, there was one position i i won't spoil how to get yourself into it but i managed to get three of them all together at once and just took out a pistol and shot them all three like yeah so and like any other time that would feel bad in a hitman game because i like to do like the big like accidental kills and stuff so but in this, I, I, this exact yeah. circumstance that felt so good <laughs> right and I won't spoil the specific kills, but I do think it's important to mention the setting of this level, right? I don't think we mentioned that yet. It's in right. Berlin, but it takes place in a nightclub on the outskirts of the city. Yeah, and it's... it's such a perfect setting, right? Because, like, there's all these different facilities. There's, like, secret rooms. There's, like, oh. the big dance floor and everything. Yeah, it feels like the biggest level in the game, I think. Yeah. And and it just it lends itself to so many creative kills. Like, I... I, I guess this is somewhat of a spoiler, and I won't go into the details, Connor, but because I, I think you should discover this for yourself. But I managed to get a kill as the DJ, like I dressed up yeah, as the DJ, you mentioned that to me. Yeah. and it was just so incredibly satisfying. See, and I just, uh, I had one left, and I was on the dance floor, and I saw him, and I was like, "Man, if this was real life, this would kind of work." And so I just pulled out a silenced pistol and shot him while I was in the middle of the crowd, and then put it away and walked out, and nobody yeah. like. People freaked out because they heard a gunshot and saw a guy die, but they had no idea it was me, and that was yeah. me. Yeah, so, and, you know, like, there's there's the nightclub itself, which is huge, and there's, like, a few areas around the nightclub, like, a special, like, private club, and, like, I think there's, like, a biker gang hideout, too, that you can explore, and there's stuff yeah. there as well. Yeah, so, yeah, this this level impressed me so much. It's right up there, like, you know, like, my my pantheon of elite hitman levels which are like uh paris sapienza hokkaido miami yeah. and now this i think are just e elite and in a class of their own can't can't like the fact that three of those levels are in hitman one is incredible though <laughs> yeah yeah they really but started yeah. out strong yeah no this this level it's it's just extremely good it's I, i'm gonna play it so many times and the fact that there are 10 people to kill and you only have to kill five of them. I feel like that alone multiplies the replayability so much on that level. Yeah. Because like different agents have like different conversations with each other and like these certain ones like team up and stuff. So there's, there's a lot of permutations to this. Yeah. So 
excellent, excellent level. And then from there, we go to Chongqing, China. Right. And this level, I liked it, right? But it was definitely after Berlin. It was a step down, I think. There's only one thing I really didn't like about this level, and that was the, the ending. So without spoiling too much, as far as I can tell, there's something in this level you can't do until you've killed both targets. Right. And I haven't replayed it yet, but as far as I can tell, it's going to play out exactly the same every single time. And I never like that in a Hitman game. So I think there are different ways to accomplish that objective at the end. But like the very end, like where you have to like escape, I think will be the same. Yeah, yeah. They like call, you know, you get caught no matter what you do. You get caught at the end. And that's not fun. Like the fact that and and getting caught is fun. Getting caught in Hitman is is fun if you try to save it. That's always pretty fun. But the fact that that's going to be the same every single time I replay that level, every time I try to do a challenge, every single time, like that's not interesting at all yeah i i think an otherwise strong level is brought down by that like you said but i think it just speaks to the strength of sapienza that like sapienza has like the same ending every time but it's still one of the greatest levels ever made sapienza doesn't have the same ending every time the virus you can do that you can do the virus first oh yeah yeah okay you don't have to do that in the same order and there's also actually yeah that's really interesting i always do the virus last but i the virus is basically another target in sapienza So I don't mind. I, I hated the virus at first, but once I realized that there were so many different ways to handle the virus and like that you could destroy the virus first and then handle the rest of the level, that really opened it up for me. Yeah. So yeah, overall, like I think I, I think the atmosphere was really good in this level. Like probably the best atmosphere in, out of any of the levels. I think. Yeah. The neon yeah, lights, tiny slums. That level's big, which is weird because I spent the entire level in like one building. But like, yeah. there's clearly a very large outdoor area, so there's got to be a lot to discover in that level that I haven't seen yet. Like, I saw a laundromat for one thing during my escape, and I I think like oh I can probably steal a uniform there or something you know like yeah and i think there's actually like a mission story associated with the laundromat as well so i think the laundromat definitely has a bigger role to play yeah but um yeah i think moving on from that we go to mendoza yeah which you is liked mendoza a mendoza lot is my second favorite level in this well it's tough because i really liked uh england as well but Men- yeah, mendoza, mendoza is up there think, for me i think it, it's it's one of the best hitman levels i think i just had a bad playthrough of mendoza i think i only played it once and i think i just kind of did bad and didn't have a great time because of it uh, okay so i'm gonna kind of reserve judgment because like i didn't see anything that makes it a bad level i just didn't really enjoy my playthrough of it i think which yeah i think Mendoza should have been the finale to Hitman, I think. I agree. And with it, that. and, it, and yeah. it could have worked as the finale as well. Like where it ended, is like I mean obviously the story doesn't really matter as much as the gameplay, but like where it ended story-wise, it could have ended there. And yeah, like, I think it would have been way better if um the constant surprisingly showed up at the end of Mendoza. Like and you had to kind yeah. of adapt like thinking you had already finished your mission, suddenly you have to adapt that there's another target on the board. That would have been a fun twist. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, overall, I think Mendoza, so it takes place at, like, uh, at a fancy party at, like, a winery, right? Yeah, it and kind of felt like a last level, even. It, it really did, you know, it, it sort of brought back, 
I think it was also the largest level. Like, I could be uh, wrong yeah, about that. Yeah, definitely square footage-wise. I don't yeah. know if, like, actual activity-wise, but I think it was probably square footage-wise the largest. And, yeah, I think there... And obviously, like you said, you think you had a bad playthrough. But from my experience, I think there's a huge variety of things to do in that level. A lot of really cool kills to get in that level. And, uh, yeah, overall, I was just super impressed by it. Um, and then we come to... Romania. Carpathian Ma Mountains, Romania, which is the final level, which really is sort of the antithesis of everything the Hitman game stands. It's a third-person shooter; like you don't even have it, to stealth. It turns it, into it like a poor man Uncharted, right? Yeah, like it encourages at least Uncharted, you to shoot everyone. Like Uncharted is built to play like that. Hitman is not. So it, it, yeah, it was literally the first level, or no, the train level from Uncharted uh, too. Yeah. Like is really boring. And you know, like I. It was fine for what it was. I was like, okay, they're going to end on a linear note, which kind of sucks. But, like, I, I, so it takes place all within one train, which, you know, Could have been cool. Because, like, Hitman takes place in these insane, expansive environments. But, like, you're limited to this confined train for the finale. No, and I, I initially thought when I was cool playing... If, you were moving, if the train wasn't linear, like, if you were moving back and forth between train cars and, like, having to do stealth in these close quarters and stuff, I think a train could have been, cool. been cool. They just yeah. did it badly. But I, I, I thought when I was first playing through it that the train was going to lead me to the actual final level. So I was pretty excited the whole time through because I was looking forward to like, you know, maybe the top of the mountain would be like the final setting. Yeah. But it wasn't. <laughs> it just ended in the train, which. Now, and th there's one more thing that really bothered me about this level. It wouldn't have redeemed the level to me, but it would have made it slightly better. And I think I've already mentioned this to you, Amid, but um, there's a serum that's important in the game. It's like a yeah. serum that 47 had gotten before. Mm -hmm. And you, you wake up in like a, a medical bay where you find a bunch of paperwork about the serum and stuff. But the serum's not there. Later, uh, when you get to the constant, the, the, your target for this level, he just has the serum on him for some reason. And like your options are to either kill him or give him the serum. And like a neat decision, however... Had the serum been something you had to get at the beginning of the level and carry to the end, like something you actually had to find to get a secret ending or something, yeah, that would have been so much more rewarding than like, oh, it's here. <laughs> like, why? Yeah, why that's did actually that in his desk. That's like, a great idea. I don't think you mentioned that to me before. That that's a fantastic idea of yeah, how to improve this level. It would have made the level so much better, and I still don't think it would have reached good, but it would have reached better for sure. Yeah. So. Not really much to say about this last level, but I think, you know, it, the combination of Mendoza <clears throat> and uh, obviously Berlin and uh, Dartmoor, England, those three levels really, I think, carry Hitman 3. And I think it can stand proudly beside 2 and 1, personally. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I think I, it's my least favorite of the trilogy, but it's still an extremely good game. Yeah, and overall, like, this this trilogy is something else. Yeah, like it you, is. You get, let's see, 20 maps, 20 levels, you know, 19 of which are superb, you know, yeah. like, and of those 19 superb ones, there's a few in there that I would consider some of the video games all time great levels, you know, like, so that all in all, like, bravo to IO Interactive for their work on the Hitman franchise. Yeah, uh, I think I think they've they've 
done outstanding work and set standards for level design for future game developers. They've definitely earned the James Bond license. I think yeah, so they're going next, to knock that out of the park. Yeah, next they're going to be working on James Bond. And you know, it's funny. I I definitely think a lot of what we saw in Hitman 3 felt like an audition for James Bond. It did. I mean, Dubai is literally just scene for scene out of Mission Impossible. Yeah. Uh, I forget which one it is, but the one where he climbs that exact same tower. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and uh, I think Mendoza especially felt kind of Bond-esque, you know, like yeah. especially with some spoiler events that happened in that mission. But yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So I, IO Interactive, very, very talented developer, and I'm very excited to see what they do with Bond. And yeah, I mean, Agent 47 is very Bondish, except he doesn't have an ego about it yeah. the way Bond does, the, you know? The, the only unfortunate thing is that we're not going to get more Hitman for a long time now, which is kind yeah, of... Yeah, I do think it's a huge misstep that they put such a final conclusion on the story no one cares about. Like, they, they ended it with a lot of finality, I feel like. Yeah, but like... <laughs> It's so easy from a writing perspective to put him back into a position where he's going to be doing I what he still, does, right? It's still such a mistake because nobody cared about the story in the first place. It's garbage. Yeah, like, yeah no one cares. <laughs> yeah, they could have stripped it out and the game would be better for it, honestly, because like the couple of times the constant has appeared throughout the series have been the worst parts of the game. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, it just sucks because like Hitman 3 is easily the best selling of the franchise and it yeah and i think you know they finally hit this level of insane financial success as they stop working on it which is yeah. just ah uh, you know like i nah, the like, story I would, the story was just a mistake because like the the parts that are bad of hitman 3 are bad because they're trying to feed this narrative no one cares about like yeah. i think the worst parts of dubai are that people in your comms won't shut up like People yeah, Lucas, keep trying to talk to you as you walk by stuff, and like, I don't care. I get it. I've played the level before. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. It's just it's 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 it, I like I said before to you, Connor. Like, I would kill for maybe that team to split in half and half of IO to just churn just out Hitman more, levels yeah, for all time, levels. and then the other half make their Bond game. But <clears throat> that's not going to happen unfortunately but even then that bond game is going to be really good i yeah, mean that I, bond I, game is going to be great yeah. when it finally happens but it is years out at this point i think yeah yeah I but mean, yeah so a new hitman game would have been <laughs> but yeah uh, hitman so 2 was 2018 or something right like yeah yeah so the, yeah this this ends my journey with the hitman trilogy so happy i got into it it's so excellent it does not um, end your journey with hitman though because i point you towards a little game called blood money that is also incredible oh, before i even consider other hitman games i have so much more to play of the trilogy like these games are designed oh, to yeah, play to yeah replayed to death and i've barely scratched the surface of replaying them like i've That's only true. replayed a few levels so i still have Many, many dozens of hours more to spend with Hitman. It's just my initial playthrough of all of the levels has been completed. I still have like the side missions and like uh, the challenges and stuff and escalations and all of that. So yeah, I I was a little disappointed. I didn't know that escalation, <clears throat> like deluxe escalation or whatever, was locked behind DLC. I find that kind of. I think the aren't there escalations for the previous games though. Yes, and so, there there are non-deluxe escalations that you get in Hitman 3. They're just okay. not out yet. Yeah, I don't even know what an escalation is. Like, I just know it's more it's, stuff to do. It's a, yeah, you go into the same map, but I believe... 
sometimes you have a different target, sometimes you have the same target, but security and stuff changes and gets worse every time. Okay. Like they add cameras, they add guards. It, it it does enough to keep it interesting, in my opinion. I've only done Paris uh, on Escalation. Yeah. So yeah, Hitman. Like even when you play through it, it is the game that keeps giving. You can play this game for forever, by my estimation. Yeah. But yeah, <clears throat> Hitman is great. And uh, there is one more game I've been playing because it's been so long since we've recorded. And I guess I can go into that now. Uh, I've been playing Control Ultimate Edition. Oh, that game's so good. <clears throat> I, I, so, I, this was my game of the week a while back, too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, PlayStation actually, uh, for the free games for February, gave away Control Ultimate Edition on PS5 for free, which wow. was great. You know, like, I... I I've hovered over the buy button for control so many times and then just not done it. I did too. Yeah, this finally happens and now I have it for free. So I've, I really enjoy. So the, the best thing about this game is it's physics based gameplay. That is like, really, I think, I mean, that's, that's not a bad take or anything. It's just not what I would say is the best part. What do you think is the best part? I think this, the world, I think the world building. Oh, the the atmosphere is really good. Yeah. The the I, SCP style <clears throat> world, uh, really, and I, I like uh, I like Jesse Faden. The yeah, whole, the, the character is really good. Yeah. The story is kind of nonsensical, I will say. Like, I didn't really care too much for it, but I, I, I don't really agree with that. I thought the story was good. I, really? I definitely didn't. I didn't think it was nonsensical. Uh, I didn't think it was bad at all. I I wouldn't say it was the best part. The world building was way better than the actual story. I, mean, I I agree with that. Yeah, like I wasn't too impressed by the story, but the world, the concept of this. Uh, the the place you're in called the oldest house, which is this like ever shifting, almost living building, infinitely big building that you're the in. The house is way more interesting than the hush, which is the antagonist. Uh, the hiss, right? The hiss, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I think right. The 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 world is very interesting. I think, but to me, I'm in love with the 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 gameplay specifically how physics-based it is like so jesse's powers she's basically like telekinetic right psychic she can like uh levitate objects and throw them and like the cool thing about this game is like everything in this building is destructible and almost everything is throwable so like by the time you get all your powers like battles become this chaotic mess and it looks really objects flying everywhere breaking everywhere like like Yes, video games have had destruction for a long time, but no video game has done it quite like this. Yeah, and it it, is, it does a really good job of selling it. Like, and the setting contributes to that as well. I think like the the destructible like there are a couple of parts where you're like walking through like a stony quarry area, and the destruction is good there, but it feels kind of like something we've seen before. But when you're like shooting your way through the office sections of the first house. That yep. looks so good. The papers flying <laughs> everywhere and like yes, just stuff going crazy. And uh, yeah, I think I, I actually just finished the main story last night, and <clears throat> I immediately jumps uh, into like the DLC, which I get for free because it's the ultimate edition, right. which is awesome. I, I also played the ultimate edition. Yeah. So I'm currently working through the foundation, and you know, like overall, like I think. I think what they have here actually reminded me a lot of Infamous, which is 
I think why the gameplay resonated with me so much. Infamous is also that like, you know, superhero based, you have your powers, you have your abilities, but the core is just like, you know, third person shooter gameplay. Yeah. <clears throat> this reminded me a lot of that. And I really give it ups for that. I think the foundation is the better of the two DLCs. The other one is basically an ad for uh, Alan Wake. Yeah, I, I started it and I was like, yeah, one, I was just like, I don't really care about Alan Wake. And two, uh, this is way too difficult for me at my current like level. Because I yeah. started it like way before I beat the game, and I was just like, it's, "This is weirdly hard." I, I beat it before I beat the game. Um, I did wait until I had leveled up a little bit, though. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think the thing about control that I find really interesting is the production value on the side quests, because some of them are as good, if not better, than the main story. Like, there's a whole like side story about um, like you learn about a character character a group of characters it's not super clear called the board but there is a character that isn't the board that is kind of like the board and you only really learn about them through side quests yeah i, I know what they're I, called i think i must have missed this yeah but if I, you missed this entirely that's kind of cr- that's crazy that you're allowed to do that but like yeah i mean i most of the boss fights in the game are side quests i have discovered yeah like a lot of the boss fights have been side quests and just judging by the trophy list, I still have like two major bosses, side bosses left. Yeah, uh, it's it's a- so I, I have to do a little more exploring to find those. But yeah, like I think the yeah the strongest aspects of this game are definitely the the gameplay as well as the oldest house. Yeah. The weakest aspects for me, like I know you said you liked the story quite a bit. Like it story was just sort of lukewarm for me. Like it it uh, yeah. seemed it was like a little too abstract for its own good. I think. See, I, I feel the opposite. I like how little I understood of the story. I, like I would I so I would have liked that if I felt like they were actually. I at times I felt like they were just being obtuse to be obtuse, which I didn't like. But. I think you might need more of the side missions to make it make sense. Maybe a little yeah. more. And you know, I will say another thing: like the collectibles, like there's so many like entries and audio logs and stuff like that in this game yeah i'm not usually one to read those but i i like them and then i like scp stuff and that's clearly what this was yeah and actually like i've never really been introduced to scp stuff before so this was sort of my first exposure to it like i'd heard of it but i never like looked into the media and stuff this this is probably the best video game adaptation of scp in my opinion so for the first few hours i did read like the first two hours or so i read everything i picked up but then after that it's just sort of graded on me like just wanted to play the game right uh but yeah like, that's fair i didn't just the I didn't volume the point. sheer volume of collectibles is insane yeah, like i don't lot. think there i've ever seen this many and like journal entries and stuff in a video game what what hit me as weird that i ended up liking was the mix of live action video with uh yeah that was trippy yeah because that doesn't usually work but it worked here like the, the way that they handle it is that all the live action video is video in the game. Like it's yes. you, you're watching it on a screen in the game and that like disconnect is just enough to make it not terrible. And put it, it is uncanny, but it's that just contributes to it. Like. I, I yeah. loved it. Yeah. And I think I think so uh, all this to say, like, I enjoy my time with it, but I do think that this will be maybe like for an analogy the uncharted one to the inevitable uncharted two i think control two whenever it happens is going to be a mind-blowing phenomenal game 
Whereas I think so far out though, because yeah. they're making an Alan Wake game right now. Whereas this game to me, it, it was a good game, right? Like I thought it was very good. It didn't like, it's not great yet to me. And I think Control Two could be great, but that's just I, it just might be. It reached great to me. It was like an eight out of ten, probably. Yeah, I'd probably give it a seven out of ten. Yeah, which is, which is still good. You know, very good. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, I've I've talked a lot. I think I've yeah. I was gonna say, Mike, piece. I can't help but notice you've been awfully quiet. Uh, I I completely zoned out for the last half an hour plus. What it hasn't been, been half an hour? It's been twenty six minutes. It's, it's something like that. It's, I zoned it's, out. It's pretty much half an hour. It, it was a long time. So I I don't know if I talked about Slay the Spire yet. I'm gonna start off with that. I'm excited to. Uh, I well, think you this, mentioned this is a game it last I think week. You're gonna talk about that. I'm excited to hear about. I think you mentioned it last episode, but yeah, good. Go oh yeah, it. I mentioned I was going to talk about it, but I think I talked about something else. But uh, Slay the Spire is a roguelike deck builder, which is a lot. Honestly, I picked it up like t- a year or two ago. I think in like a Humble Bundle or something. And then I really didn't play it until over Christmas. I was just remote playing it because I was out and about. And man, it's actually a lot of fun. Because every game is kind of shaped by how you decide to start building your deck because every enemy you defeat gives you a card. Yeah. And, and you're at the luck of a draw. Say if you're playing the rogue character and you don't get poison, you're you're building a different deck that's not poison then. Even if you set out to build a deck, you're going to end up building something differently every time. Yeah, that sort of dynamism, like the fact that like your strategy can change completely based off the luck of what happens. That really has sort of drawn me to this game. Like, I know that whenever I end up buying it and playing it, I'm going to get addicted to it. That's kind yeah. of why I keep holding off. I put like 12 hours into it over just that little period. But the only downside of that whole randomness is that sometimes you can just get bad draws and lose a run like that. Like, sometimes you just can't get set up properly and game's over. That's rough. I don't. I don't necessarily like that in roguelikes. It. I. I had a powerful build, but I got to the end. The only reason it had happened like that is because I didn't remove enough cards from my uh my deck. Hmm. Which is an option. I had a lot of junk cards in there that I should have gotten rid of, but I. How didn't. long's a run? A run's like thirty minutes at most. That's not too bad. That's to get like to end boss, depending on how you set yourself up. If you're setting yourself up for tank, it can be a lot longer. But if you're setting up for damage, it can... Because that, that's like something that really bothered me in Noita, was that I would kind of be building towards <laughs> a certain wand that I planned on killing the boss with. And it's like an hour to get to the boss if you're not, like, rushing through it. And then you get to the boss and you never found that one spell you need and you just can't beat it. And you're just kind of stuck. Yeah, I know. Slay the Spire does not suffer from the problems of, like, other roguelikes where it runs a long time and if you die, you've lost hours of progress yeah if you die you've lost maybe 15 minutes of progress at most and so it doesn't feel bad to restart over and over again with the same character hmm. that's good yeah i might have to check it out i'm i'm you know you guys know i'm big on roguelikes but i'm not a big card game guy so i didn't think i was either until i started playing it i think i even have it i just haven't played it yeah, this seems like the perfect uh, Switch title, I think. Yeah. I think it is on Switch. It might be. I can't That's where I'm going to get it. Hold on. It is. Yeah. Is it? 
Yeah, it's definitely one of those titles you can just play mobile. Like, since I remote play, yeah. it worked perfectly fine on a touchscreen phone interface. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like an awesome like parking lot game Like while you're waiting. Yeah. you know, Something that's come up lately a lot for me is waiting for my groceries when I uh, do pickup. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's a good game. I, I really do enjoy it. And I'm honestly glad I played a lot of it. Because it's, it's a gem. And it's a lot deeper than it just looks at. And like first look. Because each each of the four characters has like a different build style and different unique cards available to them. Like one character operates on magic casting and you can build absurd amounts of block and just sit there and not take damage anymore for an entire fight. Hmm. Yeah, the, the 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 variety, like the sheer variety of different like builds and stuff like that, that's definitely something that's attractive to me about this game too. Yeah. This and Dicey Dungeons have both been really attractive to me. One day I will buy it for kind of similar reasons. And it's only 25 bucks, which is well worth it. And they keep adding content to it as well. That's that's all I have to say about Slay the Spire. But I have been playing another game that I could talk about for years. God, yeah. I hope it's Valheim. It is Valheim, actually. I, I, I okay. was really wanting to so, hear you talk about this because I keep hearing sorry. about it. And I don't Mike, know what you, it is. Exactly. You got to tell me all about this game because I keep hearing it and I keep seeing that it's blowing up, but I have no idea what this is. So a, a lot of people have like these weird conceptions about it. Like, oh, it's just you, you start the game. It feels like every other survival crafting game where you're out gathering resources and you're just kind of aimlessly wandering around. Then you go fight the first boss, and then the game really, really starts to get fun. Because that first boss is... He's easy, and he's a nice introduction into the fact that things will hurt, and they hurt really bad, and you will die quickly. So is this like a survival game, or...? It's... It has survival elements, but I wouldn't call it like a full-on survival game since the hunger bar doesn't exist. There's no thirst meter. Eating is completely optional. If you want to build your entire base, you don't have to eat. Hmm. Eating just gives you a stamina buff and a increases your health pool. So it gets rid of a lot of that monotony. Like tools don't have to don't have you don't need materials to repair your tools so if your tools break you can just go to your workbench and repair them there repairing walls and stuff doesn't require any materials and it it gets rid of a lot of that monotony of you go out gather a bunch of materials and then you spend like 90 percent of those materials repairing the things you use to gather the materials <laughs> and it it just has this meaningful progression like i spent I've been playing with a friend of mine, and we've spent 10, actually not 10 hours. I think our playthrough is like 26 hours in or something like that. But we've spent literal hours just building a fortress. And it's been enjoyable that entire time. Like not even making meaningful progression. Because at, at that point, we were just minding our business when the forest started invading us. And we were surrounded by goblins. That sounds really cool. It, I need to it, try this game. It's really, really interesting. It sounds and like very dynamic. It is very. It, it's dynamic, 
like you go into a new biome and once you when you first set foot in the biome the biome is really threatening and you got to be really careful with your combat you got to be really considering of what you do and what hits you take and what hits you don't take hmm. it's it's very very interesting there's dungeons to raid through because you need to hit those to get your cores for your smelters and there's sailing. It's not a Viking survival game without the aspect of sailing. That is true. And, it, God, it's so satisfying to just sail. <laughs> like, everything just blends together to make this sense of exploration and kind of wonder. You land on a new island, and it's not like, oh, it's the same as the old island. It's more of what biomes are here, what can kill me, what can't. Do I go here, or will I get one shot by a mosquito? <laughs> yeah this sounds like it'd be super fun to play with like a bunch of people yeah it's super enjoyable i'm having a blast like every time i boot it up i'm basically committed myself to playing it for six hours straight <laughs> Jeez, like it, it, you just don't want to stop like there's always something else to do like the second boss is spoiler a giant tree and i had three people it was me a friend of mine and another friend, we decided to take on the second boss. I was pretty confident that we could take it pretty easily. And the game kind of said, kind of took the difficulty curve and just turned it into a cliff all of a sudden. <laughs> just for this boss. Like, he was two-shotting me, and I was max-geared for that section of the game. And it was it was hectic, and we were just like we were we were basically panicking, <laughs> is what we were doing. Like my one of my one friend had died and forgot to set a spawn next to the boss arena, so had to run from our makeshift base where we had a teleporter to the boss arena, which was across this dangerous biome. This game has teleporters. Yes, you're. It basically sets up fast travel points, so you don't have to sail everywhere. Like, okay. once you land on a place, you can pop down a teleporter and hook it up to your main base so you don't have to go back and forth. But you can't teleport or or ingots. Mm. So you have to actually sail iron and stuff back and forth. So it's a good way to get places, but not a good way to get home. It's a good way to get there and back, say, if you're doing, like, wood gathering or any other kind of temporary resource gathering or fighting a boss. But it's really not useful if you're mining. Yeah. Like, you're still going to have to ship it back on a ship. Hmm. Uh, combat's... I gotta talk about combat. Combat has, like, these Dark Souls elements where every enemy has, like, these attack patterns. And they're very easy to play around. But it's not as unforgiving as Dark Souls. You die, a tombstone's, a tombstone is left. You can pick up everything but one item out of that tombstone, die again, and that old tombstone will still be there. I think that's good for this sort of game, right? It's not trying to be this ultra-punishing gauntlet. Yeah, it's it's taking all the fun elements of survival, which is that exploration and that wanderlust, and getting rid of all the all like the masochism that is kind of there in survival games right now. Yeah, it kind of. I I've heard a lot about like the forest and like Rust and like a bunch of these survival games, and none of them have ever appealed to me. But Valheim kind of does. So I'm yeah, 
it's, this might be where I jump on because you, you've played a lot of these, right? Like I played, I played a little bit of Rust and was instantly turned off of Rust because you know it was just shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, I I don't like games that are like that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I played the the for the forest. I played with a couple friends for a little bit, and it was fun, really fun for a little bit. But then it got kind of stale quickly. Uh, Valheim, I've gone t- almost 30 hours into Valheim, and it, it's not even getting close to stale. Like, we're setting up to fight the third boss out of five. And every time you defeat a boss, you get equipment to go into the next biome and fight there. Hmm. And for an early access game, I've encountered maybe one bug. That's nice And it wasn't well, even, I- like, major. And you said there's enough content in this game that like you feel good about the price you paid for it already. Yeah, I already yeah. feel good about that twenty bucks I spent. So it it's kind of like things. satisfactory early access more so than like Rust early access. Coincidentally, it's backed by this. It's published by the same company that's making Satisfactory. Oh, Coffee Stain. Yeah, Coffee Stain Publishing is. Oh, if I had known that, I'd have been on board it's, way sooner i like so, they did a uh, goat sim too right they get they did goat sim they did uh sanctum yeah no nah, they're good they i i that just puts that that immediately makes me put a lot of faith in they it. put their they put their mark of approval on the game and you know what it definitely deserves it they have an entire content roadmap set up too i'll probably have to check actually i might have to mm, i'm torn i want to check out Plus, little nightmares this weekend the where I bet the best part about it is the invasions actually escalate as you defeat more bosses. So it'll start off your first invasion will be from the first boss who will send your your fodder enemies at you, your gray dwarfs, and they'll be you can just fight them off, kite them. We defeated the second boss, and I was sailing out to go get to go put our boat next to our iron deposits, and my friends are like, "Why are there why are there trolls at our base?" <laughs> Turns out there were trolls invading us now. And trolls do a lot more damage to buildings than the hordes of Boy Scouts that they sent out us at first. So I like the the gradual escalation of invasions and difficulty of combat. Because a lot of survival games just kind of throw a difficulty curve at you and call it a day. Like, Ark had this problem yeah. where... Once you were at the top on arc, there was really nothing to do anymore. Yeah. And it was super easy to get to where there was not a lot to do other than PvP. Like, yeah, I'm going to have to check this game out. It, uh, it sounds like it fixes, or at least tries to fix, most of my issues with survival games. Yeah, and there's not, there's there's still like grinding, but even like cutting down trees is satisfying because you can die to trees. Yeah, it's a, a battle. <laughs> like, deforesting's a battle. And that's entertaining. Like, a tree could fall down on another tree and knock that tree down, which could knock down another tree and just create a domino effect of cre- clearing an entire forest. <laughs> very reactive. It is very... The world interacts with you. You throw a tree into the river, you can jump on the tree and roll it back to land. It's hmm. like, I'll never forget the moment where my friend's cutting down a tree and I'm I think I'm like messing with OBS or something. I think I have a clip of it. I'll have to edit it down. I'm not paying attention. I look back to my screen and see a tree falling on me and 
just manages like a yelp as I die to this tree. <laughs> Even during combat with like bigger enemies, they'll knock down trees and you'll have to pay attention to those as well. The hmm. game does a lot to try and keep your attention and it really succeeds in that. Plus, it looks very much like an PS2 era game in terms of like texture quality. But you throw that with like a modern lighting engine and it's beautiful. Yeah. Like if if it wasn't for the lighting system, I feel like I'd be back playing on like a PS2 in like middle school or elementary school. It's good to hear that the lighting has an impact, right? Because like just PS2 level graphics by themselves can look kind of terrible, polygony. Yeah. Yeah. Like the sound, the the soundtrack's good. The graphics are just poly low, are low res enough that they look artsy. And it really kind of adds to that mystical nature that they're going for. And they'll sometimes like throw Norse god references in there. Sometimes you'll see Odin in the background. Just kind of watching you. And if you <laughs> look at him, he'll vanish. That's cool. Yeah, there's just a lot of little elements and a lot of discovery. Especially when I started playing, when the wiki hadn't been updated since like the early access alpha. <laughs> so there was no information about the game. <laughs> so it was just all discovery. That's always a fun phase in like these kind of survival games. Like I remember when Minecraft was sort of like that too, where like you didn't know the recipes and you had to like just sort of experiment and figure them out. Yeah. This one's a, the crafting system's even intuitive because as you pick up something, you'll learn the crafting recipes that use it. Say you pick up a piece of flint, you'll learn all the flint gear. So you can start hmm. crafting it. Yeah, Mike, I'm looking at images of Valheim, and it looks gorgeous. Like, I don't know. If, like this, gorgeous. this does not look like PS2 graphics to me. You'll you'll see it on like character models, but it's still a gorgeous. The environments game. look incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like people get caught up on the low res textures, but sometimes textures don't make the game. You can do yeah. a lot of low res. Yeah, you can. And a Valheim nails it. Like even the water effects are beautiful. This definitely seems like it's becoming. I don't know if it'll become as big as like the previous like viral games, but like it's definitely I think catching, it is catching on. I think it you hit. think so? Uh, let me check Steam stats. I think it's hit. It is number two currently on Steam with three hundred seventy-four peak, three hundred seventy-four thousand thousand players. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that's uh, pretty big. Yeah, getting there. That's bigger than. That's massive. That's absolutely huge for a small indie game in early access to reach the number two game on Steam. It's it's so it's it's so interesting to me because like this trend isn't stopping. You know, like these indie games randomly blowing up and jumping to the top of Twitch. You know, like it's uh it's, it's kind of started it's not even in Twitch the streamers that are causing this. Like right now, Valheim on Twitch. I don't even think it's in the. It's not in the top five games on Twitch. It's actually number. Well, Va- number nine. Still, I think I think Valheim's still in its like growth stage. You know, like it's still like it's like exploding in popularity right now. I think. Like even looking at graphs, it's been a gradual growth instead of like the peaks you'll see for a streamer game. Okay. Because I think 
Valheim's unique in that a lot of people want more people want to play it than want to watch some big personality actually play it. Which is which is different from like Rust Spikes, where people didn't want to play Rust, and I don't blame them. I just wanted to watch people play Rust. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 almost certainly gonna check this one out. It looks very very interesting. It it's I'd recommend I hold like I put this is Valheim's a candidate for game of the year for this year. It I know it's only February and we have a <laughs> yeah, whole February. year left, but it's it's a candidate. It's definitely on my list of games that I'll think about for the rest of the year. That's hype race. All right. Yeah, I think that'll do it for us this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. You can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. You can like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you use. And click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord and talk to us there. Thank you, Connor and Mike. Yep. See you guys next week. Catch you next time. Bye. See ya.